tonight we're going to be, uh, I guess, uh, I think, anyway, wrapping up a series that we started. Uh, I did part one a few weeks back and then part two last week, uh, talking about faith, hope, and love. And uh, last week we really talked about those three areas and how they all work with each other, uh, how they all relate to each other. Uh, and then tonight we're going to specifically zero in on... on um, the greatest of these, you know, and if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, that's our verse that we've been working from, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And so uh, we, we had said over these last couple of weeks that uh, faith is the antidote to fear. Uh, we said that hope is the antidote to despair. And uh, today we're going to be looking at the fact that love is the antidote to hate and to anger. And so uh, I want to begin tonight by looking back on a scripture that we looked at last week because it's just such a powerful uh, reminder for us, a powerful challenge for us on the importance of love. It was 1 Corinthians 13, looking at the first three verses of the chapter. And it says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others... I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing." So again, these three will remain forever, but the greatest of these is love. So we just want to bore down on this. We want to uh, let this go down deep in our, in our hearts. So why is love the greatest? That's the way we're going to approach this tonight is just look at some of the, the different biblical reasons here why love is the greatest. And the first one uh, is, you know, love came first. You know, it was love first. John 3, 16, we know, but let's read that together with verse 17. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And so it's God doing the initiating, right? It, it, you know, God so loved the world. In fact, this is how God loved the world that he sent his son. And so we, we know scripture tells us, we know it's of a truth in our own lives. God loved us before we ever had faith in him. Uh, Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And so without love, we wouldn't have hope and we wouldn't have faith in God, right? So, so love is definitely first. Uh, a second thing that puts love as the greatest of these, uh, and we touched on this a little bit last week, but I want to go in a little further. Uh, faith and hope are fueled by love. So, you know, we've got these three that are going to last forever, faith, hope, and love. And we realize that, that, you know, the scriptures teach us that love is actually what fuels hope and faith. So I want us to consider this, this for a minute tonight. The greater my revelation and acceptance of God's love, the fuller my tank of faith and hope are. Just want to let that, that, you know, just the, the, the consideration of that thought, the greater we have revelation 
And the greater we have acceptance of God's love, the fuller our tank of faith and hope are going to be. Right, and, and, and that's part of what makes, you know, love the, the fuel for the other two. A revelation of God's love for us is going to transform the way we live. I mean, it's impossible for it to not transform the way we live. And it's also going to trans, transform the way we function. First John 4.18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Amen. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I see, again, a, a full acceptance, a full revelation of the love of God is going to radically affect and impact our lives, what we see, how we digest and, and process everything that's going on around us. Love overpowers and defeats the lies of the enemy. Come on, is that not good news this Wednesday night, right? As we look at the world and we look at all the stuff that we're dealing with out there, right? This is, this is um, a, a posture uh, and, and an understanding as believers that we have to stay anchored to. Otherwise, we're, we're going to get skewed. We're going to get off course. In Galatians 5, 6 says, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus... There is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. Uh, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. So, you know, this is talking about, you know, uh, Jews and Gentiles, you know, the, the, you know the, the picture of that covenant. And, you know, our, our, uh, the revelation of the new covenant is it's, it's uh, faith being expressed. It's faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And again, spelled out for us here in this verse, faith expressing itself in love. Amen. In the Passion Translation, it says it this way, faith that is activated and brought to perfection by love. So again, here's a picture of love waters, hope and faith. It fuels uh, hope and faith, however we want to word that. Now, if we go to Mark chapter 12, we read about an expert in the religious law that tried to trap Jesus with a question. Uh, he starts in verse 28, and he says, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? And uh, in verse 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So, so what we glean and what we grab from these verses um, bring us on to this next point here. So what is the greatness of love? Well, the third thing we need to understand about love here tonight is not only does it fuel faith and not only does it do these things we spoke about, but love is supreme. It, it is the supreme thing. And I want you to, you know, let, let's make sure that we grasp here too, you know, um, I think in our Hallmark Channel American mindset, <laughs> we can say when we're talking about love, oh, well, is that like kind of the cozy by the fireplace? Is that sweater, hot cocoa, snuggling with your love? Like, no, no, we're talking about the love of God the love of God, the almighty love of God that saved the world because God so loved the world that he gave his son. 
that it, it, it's, it's, it's the greatest power. It's the greatest everything. It, it's not something that God has. It, it's, it's who God is. And so love is supreme. Wouldn't it make sense that the enemy works so hard to either put it as a secondary thing, have it be uh, something that we relegate as an emotion, you know, or have it be something that, that if nothing else, we, we see, well, well, that's certainly not the most important thing, you know, but really it, it is supreme. Above everything else in life, how about that, huh? Above everything else in life, love is most important. To know God, to love God, and to give love to others. Turn the world upside down. It'll change the world. You know, come on, there's some times where that's not how I want to change the world. You know, I want to kick butt, right? Come on, anybody else know what I'm talking about, right? And, uh, and, and you know, again, a balancing statement here, sometimes love is standing up, sometimes love is, you know, getting in someone else's face and uh, sharing what is their highest good. But my whole point here is, man, from this vantage point, the, the, the greatest, most important part of our lives to know and love God and to give his love. Uh, I, I've heard it just simply put this way, love God, love people. That just kind of su- summarizes it all. The greatest aim of life. You know, uh, Viktor Frankl, uh, who is a World War II Holocaust survivor, he survived three years in Auschwitz uh, with torture, starvation, um, just, you know, exhausting, horrendous, you know, conditions and and workloads. Uh, And he was uh, the psychologist that wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And he said this, love is the ultimate and the highest goal to which man can aspire. The salvation of man is through love and in love. Sounds like he knew what he was talking about, huh? And of course, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us love never fails. So hey, careers will fail, money will fail, possessions will break, be stolen, stop working, fail. I remember the first time I I owned a brand new car as a young adult, I didn't get it off the lot. And, and, and I was uh, driving to meet my wife, who was my fiance at the time, and I came around a curb and it wasn't well lit. And uh, man, I, I uh, hit the curb, uh, deflated the tire, cracked the rim, you know, and, and you know, like the, the brand new stuff, we don't want to get hung up on it. It can bust. It can, that was my first lesson on, you know, don't, don't get too attached when you have something that's, that's new and shiny. It's all going to rust. It's all going to wear out, you know. Um, but love will never fail. And anything else, everything else, it's, it's subject to failure, but love will never fail. And here's what I believe Jesus is saying in this and what we looked at here in, in, in Mark 12, uh, and this would go to a fourth uh, point that we want to look at here tonight about love and what makes it the greatest. And, and I've been leaning into this, working toward this. So it really is the meaning. Not only is it the most important thing in life, but number four here, it is the meaning and purpose of life. You know, so, hey, uh, you know, for those watching online, for us here, how are we doing with what we're hearing, right? You, you know, I mean, even for me, preparing the message, having this on my heart, I found myself so challenged by the reminder, man, love's got to be center of everything, right? The re- the, so it comes down to the reason we live and breathe is to know, experience, and give God's love away. The wealthiest person on the planet not measured by finances or or possessions. The wealthiest person on the planet is the one who has loved generously. 
and who could say that they're loved by others because of the love that they've sown. Come on, can you say amen? Don't get me wrong, we, we, we need finance to do stuff and, you know, God does his work on the earth through finance and all of that. But at the end of the day, you know, um, well, actually the word puts it this way, you know, uh, if, if we can't get our act together before the Lord with money, he says, what are we going to do with true riches? Right? What, what, what a great uh, balancing statement for us. So uh, a, a fifth point that we're going to move on into, the only way that we can give love is to know love. Right? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever run into a crabby, miserable Christian? How many of you are sitting by them right now? No, I'm just kidding. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Right? Isn't a, a, a Christian that is not in a good place in their love walk with God or with others, aren't they the most miserable of people to get around, right? You know, because it, the love walk is meant to be what defines and, and characterizes us. So the only way to give love is to know love, capital L, to know the one who is love to stay in communion and fellowship and relationship with him. And we can look at how John, uh, you know, who, while Jesus was on the earth, he was pretty much uh, Jesus' best friend. This is how he describes it, 1 John 4, verses 7 to 8. He says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So here it is. How does one know that they, that they really know God? How can we tell somebody else knows God? Uh, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Here it is again, because God is love. So in order to fully love others, we have to know and understand the author of love. And that's God. So if, let's put it this way, let me, let me meddle a little bit right now. If there's someone that you absolutely can't stand, somebody that you'd even say that you hate, um, hey, that's, that's a God connection problem in your life. We bore down and we uh, get into greater fellowship with the one who is love. We take that relationship that we're wrestling with and we bring that before God and we're going to be able to get to a place where we could say, no, I don't hate, you know, that's not a person that I can't stand and, and God will have his work in our lives. Uh, so that's why, you know, in light of all that we're talking about here, Jesus challenges us to absolutely pursue uh, the Father. He says to love God spiritually with all of our heart, to love God emotionally with all of our soul, to love God mentally, right, with all of our mind, to love God physically with all of our strength, with every fiber of our being to love God. And so when we love God, we know God, and we receive his love, we can't help but give his love out to others. Right, and again, you know, when, when love starts waning, you know how we, we can tell when love is drying up in our lives because the things that we're doing for God or for God's people, they, we, we either start to get resentful or they start to get dry and stale and they start to get burdensome. You know, if we start to recognize those, those signals, those, those little flags that's letting us know, all right, my love walk needs, you know, some adjustment. My love walk needs me to uh, make sure that I'm getting back and, and spending, you know, proper time with the Lord. Can you say amen? So the, the primary way to get more love 
is to give more love. So the first thing we said is that we got to know love. We got to know him if we were going to pour his love out. But let's now talk about, uh, you know, love above all else. If we want more love, how do we get more love? You know, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death, the Bible says. The primary way to get more love is to give it away. Amen? That's opposite of what our flesh or maybe our, our soul, you know, our soulical nature would say. Um, but man, I can tell you from the years in, in youth ministry in particular to watch the lengths that we as people, and it's not just in, in what I observed in teenagers, it's in, in any season of life, the lengths that we'll go to to feel loved. Amen? Spend money foolishly. Uh, defy moral conscience, compromise, do uh, foolish things, you know, in an attempt to receive love. Uh, but God established the model in 1 John 4, 19 to 21. We love others because he loved us first. That goes back to where we started. He loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, that we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Everybody say command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So, you, you know, just, just kind of spelling that out. God is saying, if, you, uh, if you've been impacted by my love, you're not going to be able to help but love on others. And uh, Jesus clarifies this powerful return on the investment of love. And I'm, I'm going to read a portion of scripture that, I, I mean, most of the time that I've ever shared this scripture, it's been in light of uh, giving, finances. But let's look at it in its context. This is Luke chapter 6, verses 35 to 38. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. Wow. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Now I'm going to share a verse that's going to sound familiar from offering time, but look at it in the context that I just shared. Give and you will receive. Amen? Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now certainly that applies to finances. So I, I, I don't want to say that was mis, misappropriation of scripture, but man, it's really, really challenging, right? When we look at it in light of this, this is talking about extending compassion, extending love, not extending judgment, all these different, not condemning others. And then it goes on to say, yep, give and you will receive. You know, and again, I think just in our humanity, we get it backward. We're saying, well, when I get, then I'll give. You know, when I get love, then I'll give love. When I, when I get a, a, a break, I'll give others a break. You know, and sometimes that can be almost living reactively. But God is saying, no, let's be proactive, walking with the one who is love, living in such relationship with him that we just can't help but see others around us through his grace. See, see, I, I want to point something out tonight. We don't want to hear what we're talking about 
We don't want to go away from this message and say, okay, God wants me to just try to figure out how to be a nicer person here in, you know, on the roads in New Jersey. Figure out how to be a nicer person, right? No, no, no. How many know this is going so much deeper than that? This is not about exercise your will and make some choices. It includes that. You know, but just like what we were talking about Sunday morning, there, you know, self-control is a choice, but underlying it, there's a fruit of self-control that comes from, uh, it's a fruit of the spirit that comes from knowing God. And, and so what we're talking about here, you know, in, in this context here is when we so know God, the power of his love as it brings change in our lives will wind up morphing the way we see others. And we will be able to see when we're treated unlovably, we'll be able to see through eyes of, uh, of grace. L let me give some balancing statements here just to make sure we're clear in what I'm saying and not saying. I'm not saying be a doormat. I'm not saying be abused. I'm not saying when righteousness needs to be stand, stood for, be trampled on. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, 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 love, the love tank on the inside, right? From, you know, and and that, that also really is the motive tank. Right, So when the love tank is clear, then we can respond in a way that, that is going to be in sync with how the Lord is calling us to walk every step of the way. Can you say amen? And so in that, then we live in a way where as his love is pouring through us, and uh, I, I just, I want you to hear tonight, I'm preaching to me as much as I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, you, you know, uh, to anybody that's here and anybody that's listening as well, because I, I can catch the times where, <laughs> you know, it, it does. It seems like it's on the road a lot. It seems like it's at ShopRite a lot. You know, where I just, you, you know, it's like, Jesus, I need to talk to you because I'm not acting like I know you, <laughs> you know, on the insides, especially, you know. Um, but then there's times where, I don't, I don't know, I'm sure you've experienced this. There'd be times where, you know, there's an exchange happening and I realize on the inside, um, I'm at peace and I'm not, I'm not feeling anger. I'm not feeling like I want to slug them. I'm just, there's this peace on the inside and, and I recognize it. I don't look and say, wow, I'm a pretty good guy. You know, I look at that and I say, the grace of the one who is love is working in my life right now. And it's making me Teflon for whatever the enemy is trying to hurl my way through what's going on here because it's not sticking, you know, and I'm able to shake it off. There's plenty of times where I have to go and say, Lord, we need to conference. I need a little more time with you, you know. But my, the point I'm bringing up is as we, as we devote ourselves to, to understanding and prioritizing, man, the love of God and, and walking in his love and relating with him, loving him and letting that love pour out of us, man, it's central for everything. And it is going to absolutely transform the way we live. And then the last one that we're going to look at here, uh, so this has been just seven, diff seven different points on love. And, and this one is that love fulfills the entire law. So I just really want to drive the point home here when we say, man, it, it's, it's just, you know, the greatest of these. Three things are going to endure forever, it says. And the greatest of these is love. And love literally fulfills the entire law. You know, so Jesus really messes with the apple cart as he's dealing with the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his time. He takes the Ten Commandments, he takes 600 Levitical laws, and he simplifies all that down into one simple life value. You know, we're, we're no longer 
you know, bound by a list of do's and don'ts. You know, but what we do is we ask is, is this action that I'm about to take, is this love? Is this word that I'm about to say, is this love? Romans 13, 9 and 10, for the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Right? So when we look at it and we say we're no longer under the law, it doesn't mean that the Ten Commandments go out the window. You know, as a matter of fact, I didn't put it in the message for tonight, but in another place in Scripture, Jesus says, yeah, don't murder. Well, if you hate in your heart, you've murdered. You know, don't commit adultery. Now, if you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. You know, so the, the call to love is actually a higher call. We can obey those 10 commandments and be growling on the inside the whole time, right? But we're obeying the law with gritted teeth, you know? But when we're walking in the law of love, we can't get away, uh, we can't, uh, get away with that kind of stuff. Come on, can you say Amen. So he's saying the greatest commandment in the whole Bible is love the way I have loved you. And how cool that he came, lived on this earth. You know, we, we have this picture of, you know, detail of his life and ministry, all that he modeled for us to follow. And he literally showed us what the love walk looks like. And it's so incredible. It's so, it's so stirring. It's so heart melting to watch him show us what it means to live this love walk out. You know, so, I, I, you know, I've heard some people say over the years, you know, um, things like, well, you know, hey, I want some deep teaching. You know, I, I want to really go deep. You know, <laughs> I don't know about you, church, but this is deep. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right? Doesn't get deeper, right? Wow. And then here's the thing I had to, had to say earlier that it's a commandment, right? It's a command. If love is a command, then we know it's a decision and not a feeling. It's a decision that we make, not a feeling that we have. Um, and Jesus said, hey, this is this new commandment, you know, is to let this law of love reign over, you know, it's the summary of all the other commandments. And Second John 1, 6 says, and love means living the way God commanded us to live. And you've heard from the beginning, his command is this, live a life of love. And so because it is a commandment, right, we know that because it's not a feeling, it's something, we would be able to have a right to challenge the justice of God if God demanded that we do something that we can't do. But because it's a choice and not a feeling, you know, we can always choose to do what is uh, a love choice because it doesn't matter what, what's going on with our emotions. These three abide forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so I tell you, I, I you know, my, my recent prayer time, my recent, you know, reflecting with the Lord and just looking at the times that we're in, 
and anybody that knows me knows that I'm not, a, I'm not a pessimist, so I don't mean it this way, you know. But, hey, let's just face it. When we look at the Word of God, it says that the last days will be turbulent and difficult. And then it says that will increase with greater and greater intensity as time goes on. And, you know, I think one of the greatest shakings I think that is happening to the body of Christ and that will happen to the body of Christ is we can't love God with all of our heart and we can't love the world. And as the world gets darker and as the world more and more directly in your face turns against God and his kingdom, and we shouldn't expect anything else if the spirit of this age is the spirit of Antichrist. Right, shouldn't be a big shock for us, you know. But if if we, if if God's people aren't anchored in God's love, we're gonna get shaken off of our foundation. But the good news is, if we are grounded and founded in His love, nothing, nothing is gonna be able to shake us off the, off the foundation. You know, the persecution that's going on in Afghanistan right now. Um, You know, by the way, this Sunday is uh, the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And so our prayer meeting on Sunday night, our phone call prayer meeting will be focusing on praying for the persecuted church. But uh, I I just read an article today. um, I think this one was in Billy Graham's magazine. Uh, It wasn't in uh, some of the persecuted church magazines that we get. It was talking about... uh, it's talking about believers that were beheaded for their faith, you know, and that they were in that moment of deny knowing Christ, deny walking with Christ, um, or you can take your head off your shoulders while all these people watch, you know, and their response was, we are sons of God, we are followers of the cross and of Jesus Christ. And we have died to self and we live for him and love him with all of our hearts. We love our lives, not even unto death. You know, and and you you see testimonies like that and man, they're just so heroic. And you know, the the number one um, prayer request in in the persecuted church, you know, constantly, whether it's Voice of the Martyrs or uh, Open Doors with Brother Andrew, these two ministries that we oftentimes stand with, actually um, Open Doors we support monthly, uh, but they're constantly um, supporting and helping the persecuted church. And you know, the number one request that they have, it's it's never pray that the, the pressure lightens. They pray that we would just keep standing strong for our Savior because he's worthy. You know, it's like, oh, Lord, forgive me for my, my Western Christianity where, you, you know, I just let some of the other stuff get in. And here's the whole point, you know, that, you know, we, you know, we're blessed to be a blessing, so we don't have to renounce the blessings that God has given us. But if we maintain first love toward him and we maintain a picture of what is my greatest goal in life, it's to know the one who is love and to stay in step with him every day and walk with him and walk that out. And then see what does that look like then as that love just pours out of me. Again, there's times where we have to choose. There's times where we have to be intentional. You know, there's times where we have to say, all right, my faith is kicking in. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I feel. I love you. I forgive you in Jesus' name or else, you know, kind of a thing. You know, but, but it is, it is it's a, an entirely different thing when out of the anointing of God, out of the, the love relationship, 
And, you know, truthfully, church, I've seen it. I've mentioned this uh, in, in other times. It bears repeating. I've even seen it in the pulpit, the transformational difference when somebody's preaching out of their theology alone, because theology is important, and when they're preaching out of their love walk with God. I've seen altar calls where people are making the altar call out of their theology of sin and righteousness and wickedness and, and you know, maybe their own personal hatred for sin and evil. Uh, and then I've seen altar calls where pre- people have preached out of their love walk with God. And, and it's, it's amazing. It, it'll stick with me forever. I've, I've had two different examples. I remember at my old church, uh, when I was brandy new as a believer, uh, a, a pastor getting up and he was calling people, come forward, you get your wicked tail up to this altar and you get that sin out. And, and he was spitting and he was angry, you know. And just as a baby Christian, I'm looking at this and I'm like, Son ain't right about this. I don't want to go anywhere near that altar, you know. I kind of want to run out the back door, you know. And then I remember going down uh, at the uh, revival in Pensacola to a pastor's conference in a room filled with pastors, you know. And I, I would have looked any congregant in the face and, and said, uh, my walk with God is good. You know, it's healthy. I'm, I'm right with him. I'm, I'm growing. Things, things are good. I'm just going to get more, just trying to be a good pastor, you know, and, and we had this night and, and the worship time and the preaching time and, and the pastor began to give the altar call and he's still talking about those that need to meet Jesus. And my heart has been so melted and, and there is, I can't put into words the reckless abandon in my heart to God to just say, Lord, I want you to have everything. You're it. And I remember, you know, Holy Spirit saying to me, I want you to go forward now, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, I started like, okay, Lord, some of our board is here. It's probably not good for the youth pastor to go for the salvation altar call. Let me wait a little bit here, you know, and I feel the conviction of God, you know, and, and, and just, just to clarify, it's not that I was unsaved. It's the conviction was so strong, but the Lord was dealing with my pride, you know. I mean, how many are so thankful that in his love, he knows just what to put his finger on, right? You know, and so I'm, I'm having this argument, you know, and, and finally uh, I got to this point where I thought, all right, if this is misunderstood and I don't have a job when I get back home, all I know is I want to go get on my face and demonstrate I am surrendered to Jesus and he's Lord and Savior of my life. And so I, I just uh, swallowed that not knowing what the consequences would be, made my way down to that altar and just the, the touch of God was so powerful. And, and after some moments when I looked around, all of our other pastors and our board was all down there too, so I knew we were okay, you know. But, uh, you know, I mean, for job security-wise, you know, kind of a thing. But my whole point is, uh, man, when we're touched by the love of God and the person giving that altar call, there was tears in his eyes because that altar call was coming from a place of God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So, I mean, the love walk in everything that we do, it's always going to be the filter. Sometimes we say the hard thing. Sometimes we make the stand that makes everybody else mad. Sometimes we do the right thing and it makes us totally alone. 
You know, sometimes uh, there's persecution and and there's attack that comes from it. But the thing that's always going to keep it straight in our heart is, did this come from my love tank? Did this come from my love relationship with him? Or did this come out of my flesh? Did this come out of my soul? Hey, did this come out of my ego or my pride? Did this come out of my woundedness? Right? And, and if we have times where that does happen, then, you know, it does us good to just be able to go back and say, uh, hey, that came from the wrong spot. I can tell you there's been times with my kids, you know, where, uh, you know, I've scolded, disciplined, and, um, and, and again, I'm so grateful, right? We are to despise not the chastenings of the Lord. And I've had the Lord say, you didn't do that from love. You know, and so my response had to be to go back to my child and say, hey, I need to repent. Because I, you know, I was not wrong in disciplining you. <laughs> you certainly need to discipline. <laughs> but, but I did it from, from the wrong place. I did it because I was aggravated. I did it because I was impatient. I did it because I was angry, you know. And, and by, I tell you what, by taking that and bringing that back, first of all, that allows God's anointing to work in those settings, you know. But then it allows us to not be people that allow our pride to get built up in our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So, hey, Pastor James, could I have you come up and just uh, minister on the piano? I so love, there's just such, such an anointing when he just uh, plays on the keyboard. And um, whether it's for us here in the room, uh, whether we're uh, watching online here tonight, and we're so glad that you joined us, anybody who's watching us online. But as I was, um, as I was praying, again, nothing with specifics, but I just felt like I started getting... Um, just like an unction that there's an opportunity for God to deal with some of the stuff that we might have carried in here tonight. And again, I know it's, it's been, uh, wow, it's been such a long season. I, I actually, I was thinking about, Lord, what does it look like? It, it was from this context, Lord, how we need your spirit to fall and touch your people. Because corporately, we have been so banged up through this last couple of years. We so need your guidance, Lord. We so need the touch of your spirit. We so need for you to come and do what only you can do. And so if, if God's been um, moving your heart tonight, if God has been touching your heart tonight, um, we finish with plenty of time and we'll still finish plenty early. But I felt like just in our seat, unless you feel prompted and you want to come and uh, kneel at the altar. You can make an altar at your seat. You can just sit and reflect. Felt like Holy Spirit wanted to minister grace tonight. And I felt like he wanted to minister healing to hearts that are hurting. Ah, I just, I just feel it so strong right now. Hmm. That he wants to melt away the effects Mm. that he indeed wants to do what only he can do. And so let's just have a time where we wait on him. It is one of the cool things about our, our Wednesday night, how our Wednesday nights have been running is just to have some time to wait and to listen and to pause, to reflect a little bit with him. 
So can we start here, the, uh, just this thought of the centrality of his love, the importance, the supremacy, the greatness, the almightiness of God's love. I understand more than ever when the Lord is talking in Revelation to the church where he says, you've lost your first love. And how important it is for us to keep first love toward him as something that we, that we just don't depart from. So I think a starting point for us tonight would even be just to say, Lord, I, I gotta get back to that place. It's first love, love for you above everything else. just invite you if uh, if if just simply it would be enough simply walking through this last stretch that we've walked through this last couple of years you know if you'd say Lord I'm just hurting fill me with your love wash it away and then of course for every one of us we've had life just in our own lives happen on top of everything that's been going on big picture So realize tonight that defense mechanisms are offense, bitterness, anger, resentment. Revenge. Those are defense mechanisms when we're wounded, when we're broken, when we're beat up. I feel like the Lord is saying tonight, you can trust me. It's like the picture I'm getting is, you know, somebody standing there with a weapon, just kind of out waving it. And, and the Lord is standing there, just, just wanting to come and say, let's, let's take this out of your hand. Let's get rid of that.
Lord, I just thank you so much that in your love, we can't lose. Lord, we recognize in the spirit of this age how the enemy rages against you and your people, but he can't prosper, he can't win. So, Lord, we're asking tonight that you would wash out of our lives all all that doesn't spring forth from your love and knowing you. Father, we surrender and give to you everything and anything in our lives that's that's a fruit from something other than your love. Uproot those things. Lord, take those things out. trust you, God. You haven't missed a thing. You see it all. Thank you for doing what only you can do, God.
Lord, I pray that you would break off of our mindsets, our thinking. Things that this COVID season has manifested in our lives. Lord, break off mindsets and thinking, impressions, perspectives that are not from heaven. Father, as we spoke earlier in the message about a revelation of your love, that means there is nothing to fear. So Father, around this room, watching online for any time that anyone might be listening in the future, thank you for washing us with your love. Thank you, Lord, for touching our hope. As we walk with you, Lord, there is so much hope. And Lord, thank you that because of your love, we can walk out faith that can move mountains. Lord, that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Courageous, bold, full of peace, turning the philosophy of this age of the enemy. Lord, this, what they call post-Judeo-Christian culture. Lord, may we, your people, be so clothed in your love that it just turns it all upside down. Forgive us in your body where we have loved the world. Forgive us for where we have tried to be like the world. Let it be that they see you in us, God, your love pouring out of us. Lord, sometimes that's saying, he who is without sin casts the first stone. And sometimes it's turning over tables. Show us, lead us, guide us, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing. Thank you for working. Thank you for ministering tonight. So, Lord, we pray that even as we would leave this, this place tonight, that there would be, Lord, a, a revelation, a fresh revelation of the love of God in every one of our hearts. We commit ourselves into your hands. In Jesus' name.